Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. Want to make 2017 your best year ever? Then let me be your teacher, your mentor. I've prepared special courses and webinars for you that will help you succeed and to give you access directly to me. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up today. You have nothing to lose. Try me for 30 days and if you aren't satisfied, I guarantee you a full refund, no questions asked. Don't go it alone. Let me be your guide at mojouniversity.com. Be successful today. Welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show, Steve Caldwell, and I am thrilled to introduce my special guest today, Mr. Jim Vassilopoulos. Now, Jim is a C-level executive. He's got a proven record as a rainmaker. I love rainmakers and business development expert. Uh, he has a great reputation for principled leadership, strategic, strategic vision, and effective execution. Now, he's an entrepreneur at heart, and yet he holds engineering degrees from University of Illinois and MBA from Marquette. He's also the co-host of the Leadership Podcast. It's my privilege to have Jim on the show today. Jim, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Oh, Steve, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to, to join you today. Thank you. Well, I'm looking forward to our discussion today, Jim. And before we get started, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work? Well, let's see. It's outside of work. Uh, what I'd say is, uh, and that, you can say it's part of work, part not uh, part of work. It's really the podcast, uh, the leadership podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just so much enjoy uh, that process because we get to talk to so many amazing people that, you know, we probably normally wouldn't get an opportunity to speak with. And it's just getting to meet people and expand your horizons and learn from people who've had yeah, so many okay. different life experiences. All right, Jim, that's fun. And I agree. I love my work too, but what have you done outside of work? Well, I tell you, you know, it seems like I turn everything I do into some level of work. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you two, two things, two things I Typical enjoy. And they're really quick. They're, they're not worth the story really. Um, I enjoy watching my kids play their sports. I got two kids in high school right now. I got a son that plays lacrosse, daughter that plays soccer, and their seasons are just about to kick off. I completely engross my wife and I engross ourselves in just being, uh, you know, parents who get to watch our kids do their thing. And um, you know, and I've got uh, two elderly parents that I, I just love and adore. That uh, uh, you know, we try and visit as much as possible. And um, you know, it's just it's a joy. Uh, being able to help them as they helped me. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Greek, 
So I'm a family man. That's what we do. Everything we do is centered around family. It's, you know, I don't have that many hobbies. My hobbies are my family. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome to be able to spend time with your kids and watch them play sports. That's, that's a wonderful thing. And uh, I know you'll enjoy that. And thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, Jim, what I want to talk about today uh, as we get into our discussion is I want to talk about the passion, wisdom, and action of leadership. And I'd like to hear what your thoughts are in regard to passion. Why is, what is passion, number one? And number two, why is it so important for us to be, uh, as leaders, to be passionate? Well, I mean, passion is, is the way that you show you care in a way that's just not words. You know, people can tell when you really buy into something. People can tell when you are authentic with your and genuine with your um, really support of a concept or a topic or something like that. It's a level of authenticity that can't be masked. Um, and, you know, I, I can get up and give a speech with great words and great eloquence, but it, if the passion isn't there, it comes across flat. But you can give a, you know, a, a speech with maybe, you know, less eloquence, but if your passion is there, it comes through very, very powerfully. And that emotional side of your um, uh, drive is what comes across in passion. So if you think about like a left brain, right brain, mm -hmm. um, you know, the left brain is your very logical side of the way you think, and your right brain is a very creative side. Passion basically is what says I'm all in. You know, it's not just the logical argument coming from the left side. It's the um, emotional support behind that coming through the right side of your brain. It says, I am 100% in. And we might not articulate that. Um, we might not even evaluate it uh, effectively as uh, followers or as listeners. But emotionally, deep down inside, when we hear somebody who's very passionate about what they're doing and they communicate it well, you feel as though that person is all in. And, um, you know, I think that most people don't, ever really think that carefully about passion but in my mind that's what it is it's it's being all in and when you're all in that's authentic you know you don't have to worry about someone being on the fence and so in a world where we care about people being genuine and authentic um it's hard to be a leader it's hard to be trusted if you are not passionate about the topic you're talking about well i totally agree with you jim i think passion is incredibly important and, uh, and yet, I, I believe that uh, a lot of people actually fake it. Uh, they try to fake it. And yet, the human brain is wired in such a way that we can it really subconsciously figure out whether somebody's faking it, in my opinion. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. I think we are, we are wired in so many amazing ways to uh, evaluate in critical ways things that um, we don't understand. And I always talk about that as... Um, you know, and I'm a big neuroscience geek, so, you know, I'm always talking about reading books about neuroscience and how we make decisions and why we do the things we do. And there's a, a great book out that I read recently. It's been out for a while. It's called Decide. Um, or not Decide. It's called uh, Influence by uh, Robert uh, Cialdini. Yep, and, I'm familiar um, with it. You know, and, and it's just a great book. And it talks about all these little heuristic mechanisms we've got, these shortcuts to allow us to um, make decisions and they have a high degree of accuracy, maybe not 
imperfect because they can be fooled and really sophisticated marketers or magicians or people like that know how to use these heuristics to fool us in ways. But when we talk about that gut feel, that's really where it comes from. It comes from these mechanisms that we've got in our brain that are really very good. They're generally accurate and help us um, call BS on situations. We just have a gut feel. And, you know, you've got to really listen to that gut instinct because there's a lot of uh, history that goes with that and a lot of neurological science that supports the reasons why we make these gut instinct calls. I think that's 100% right, and I love Cialdini's work, and I recommend uh, that book to everybody. Uh, everybody should read it. it. You'll find out wonderful things. Uh, you know, one of the things that it, it occurs to me as we're talking about here is it, it, it's always driven me crazy that people would uh, use the, the statement, fake it until you make it. And the, the problem that I have with that is that when you are leading a team of people and you're working with them every single day, I'll, I'll tell you, you got to have incredible stamina to fake it every single day in a way that they couldn't pick it up. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I've gone through a couple gyrations on that, that statement, fake it till you make it. Um, you know, from when you're younger and then you get older and then you get even older. And I think that goes back to that whole wisdom thing. Um, is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of my early successes in my career because I, you know, I listened to that maxim, fake it till you make it. Um, cause you know, I didn't know a whole lot, but I was like, well, I'm going to pretend like I do and make it as far as I can. <laughs> and had I not done that, um, I wouldn't have had half the opportunities or half the experiences that helped make me, um, the man I am today. And so, you know, part of that is, was I being inauthentic, um, Eh, you know, maybe I, I think perhaps we view that that maxim, that old tried and true statement from the wrong lens. Um, I think if you look at it on the outside and say, as an outsider, is that person faking it? It has a much different feeling than if you look at it from, let's say, a selfish standpoint, mm -hmm. in your internal conversation. And if you think about fake it till you make it as an internal conversation, I think it's an exceptionally powerful construct. Because what it's saying is, is try something new, be okay with perhaps making a few mistakes and learning, but at least try and learn. Keep trying and keep learning until you develop your competence. Because without that internal dialogue, you know, you'll be forced into this corner of never trying anything new, of never really going and pressing the boundaries of what your capabilities are. And there's no way to get there without actually faking it a little bit. You, you know, how do you learn to do something you've never done before? You know, what do we teach little kids to do when they're riding a bike? Well, just kind of like fake it with training wheels. And yeah, then we're going to fake it while I, I stand next to you. I don't agree with that, Jim, because I don't think it's faking it at all. I think that it's a matter of risk management. Uh, when it, it, we're that, that's why I dislike the term, because we're not we're not actually faking. What we're doing is we're telling ourselves uh, to actually take action, uh, and and that means that there's going to be some risk involved. So when you say step out because you don't know, what you're doing is you're willing to take uh, a risk of failure, and I think that's a better example for us to think about than being in the pretend world, because under pressure, what I, I, one of my businesses is to uh, study behavioral analytics. And the science tells me that we absolutely 
cannot really fake ourselves out internally. If we, the reason so many people fail at using fake it until you make it is because they are wired in such a way that they're not going to take risk at all. And unfortunately, I think leadership and management really is about taking risk. We have to be willing to experience some failures in order to get the experience that we need. And so that, well, I know it's two sides. It's like you say, there's, there's different lenses on it. I'm just not a fan of it because I find so many people that, that really, they take it too far. They don't, they don't look at it as just some internal conversation that you do for a while. They, they wind up just deceiving people as well as themselves. And I don't, I don't think that that helps any of us. Well, so I, I'm a big fan of this statement I've been using for years, which is when you manage risk to zero, you simultaneously manage opportunity to zero. Amen. Okay. Um, and so I'm a big fan of that. Now, l- let's take a look at like historical constructs, though, because I think that's important. If you were to go, like if someone were to say today, okay, I think, you know, slavery is a bad idea, you'd get universal agreement that slavery is a bad idea. Now, if we went back 300 years in our history and someone said, we think slavery is a bad idea, my guess is there would be an argument about that, you know, because times change. Um, People's uh, opinions change. When I take a look, if I were to go back even 25 years and talk about failure the way we talk about it today, Mm -hmm. that's a totally unacceptable dialogue, okay? No one was like, hey, let me open myself up and talk about failure. If I would have said that in like 1970s or 1980s even, people would have been like, get out of here. You know, we only want to talk with the winners. We only want to talk about people who are successful. And, you know, going back and and reading a biography even that was written during that time and people talking about their failures was a lot less commonplace than it is today. So when we take a look at, I think, the, the idea that we both agree on, Um, I'm going to put my sales hat on here and talk about it and say you've got to change the messaging in ways that um, appeal to the audience of the time. And if we take a look at, let's say, where that fake it till you make it maxim came into play, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't have a history book in front of me and I'm not going to Google it, but I'm guessing it's probably sometimes in the, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, somewhere there, maybe the 50s. I don't know when it came into play, Um, but, you know, this is, you know, a while ago compared to today. And today we have a different opinion on failure where it's much more generally accepted or people talk about failing forward or failing fast. But that's stuff that's really happened since probably 2000. Um, And so, you know, I think it's it's one thing to lose sight of wisdom that from the past and put it and, and mischaracterize it or misjudge it because we don't have the sensitivity of when people said that. And um, to say it doesn't apply anymore because we got to have, you know, wisdom 2.0 now or wisdom 3.0, whatever. But the reality is, is the message is the the, the message is the same. It's just delivered differently. And what's really powerful, though, are the things that people said two, three thousand years ago that if you repeated them are still true today. That's when you know you've got some kind of maxim or some kind of statement that is so incredibly powerful. It stands the test of time. So in that context, I'd say take it till you make it, maybe not be one of the more powerful maxims out there, but it's still, I think, consistent with 
what we see great leaders doing, which is being willing to take risks, being willing to move forward, being willing to um, have a failure and learn from it and keep going. And um, I think if you boil that statement down to the very essence of saying, be persistent, keep going, never give up, I think it's exceptionally powerful to this day. Well, I, I definitely agree with persistence is, uh, is the key and powerful. And I, I do believe that that uh, persistence is a way toward wisdom. And so I want you to talk a little bit about what really is wisdom and, and how, what does it even mean uh, from a leadership standpoint? Well, you know, I think wisdom is, uh, is, is uh, one of the more critical linchpins of leadership because what it, it really entails, it's not just learning, but it's, it's really learning from others, learning from situations, learning from different contexts. And I think that's one thing that uh, you really require. Great leaders have a level of creativity um, where they can learn a lesson from one context and apply it to a different context. And, you know, in many ways, you could call that innovative um, because, you know, certain innovators and inventors take things from one realm and make it applicable in a different realm. And I think when it comes into the realm of ideas, I think wisdom is one of those things. It's not just being a student of history, but it's saying based on the past, based on things that have happened, it's very likely that it too might happen here. And so it's a creativity, it's an innovation of ideas, it's an innovation of thought, it's, and it's also a way to communicate it because um, wisdom isn't just a factual thing. Um, it is, there's almost an essence to it where you have to communicate it. So it's, some, it's a concept that is creatively communicated in a way that just stands um, strongly on its own whether it's an article or a saying like we just said or, um, you know, a, a, a quip or a rhyme that, you know, we have all these old sayings from the old country in my family, um, you know, that, uh, you know, make a lot of sense in Greek but uh, don't make any sense in English. Um, and I, every culture has those. And they're just these uh, creative little applications of, of wisdom that, you know, apply, but it might be a different context. So they might talk about, like, I, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there's one about, like, carrying water um, in Greece that, you know, might have been very applicable to the time, but it had to do something with, like, you know, everyone's got to carry their own share of, of the load, you know, and everyone's got to work together. You can't expect to drink if, if you're not willing to carry some water, something like that. And, you know, that's just wisdom because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a concept that's encapsulated and maybe a story or a phrase or a saying that's easy to communicate, consistently communicated, and it's based on, um, you know, some truths that people have a hard time rejecting. And, um, you know, you, it, it's beyond just knowledge. It's beyond just fact. It's beyond just a lesson learned. It's a lesson learned that is communicated very eloquently and very well in ways that stick. And I think that's um, when you see these wise leaders, they are often credited with some like really creative stories or really creative ways to communicate um, a fact that others may communicate just maybe with less passion or less flair. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think that's what I see wisdom as. And, um, you know, and it's kind of a little bit intangible. It's hard to put your, your finger on because you just kind of know it when you see it. I, I totally agree. I think that's a great point. And 
you know, when you look at wisdom and, and all of this uh, knowledge and experience that you've accumulated, it, it kind of brings me to uh, how do we put that passion and wisdom into practice? Well, we have to take action. So tell me uh, and, and tell us a little bit about what action means to you and what, uh, what does that really mean in terms of leadership? Well, you know, I, I'd say one of the stories that I always remembered most when I was a young professional starting off my career, and uh, I had uh, great mentors, great leadership, great training at a company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin called Alan Bradley. And um, we were very fortunate to have, you know, a great hierarchical structure with great lots of middle management, lots of people to put their arms around you and help out. One day I was in the office of a, a gentleman. Hey, hey, Jim. I, I got to yeah. interrupt you for just a second on that because I'm kind of stunned. It, it, I mean, it almost never happens that a company actually has that kind of hierarchy anymore and trains people uh, and actually puts their arms around them. You were blessed, my friend. Well, it's so blessed, I'll tell you. And let, let me finish the story, then I'll tell you why I recognized how blessed I was and what I'm doing about it today. Yeah, I want to hear um, that. And that's really, that'll, speak, that'll speak to action. Um, so... I was sitting in this guy's office, I, I believe it was Bob Rindo, um, and uh, he was talking about something I needed to do, and he's like, well, you know, I guess I'll have to call this guy, and then, you know, um, I'll call this guy, and then we'll do this, and he goes, great, we're going to call him right now. You know, so he just picks up the phone and says, let's take care of that right now, and he just, all these things that I said I was going to do that I was writing down in my daytimer at the time um, was, you know, he's like, well, just, let's just do them right now. He's like, Jim... If you want to be an executive, if you want to be a mover and shaker, don't put things off. Just get them done. And, you know, if you hearken back, this is in the 19, early 1990s, uh, you know, this is David Allen getting things done well before I think David Allen wrote the book. So it was just, you know, this is how it's done. Just get it done. If, you, if it takes more than, you know, a minute to write it down, just do it immediately. And so... That really stuck with me as like, wow, let's just, this is a man of action. I want to be a man of action like he was. And I learned so many great lessons at that organization. And many years later, this will get into some of what I'm recognizing how fortunate I was to have that experience. I was uh, in the process of helping some nieces and nephews get um, uh internships and, you know, help them get summer jobs and help them with the resumes and things like that. And I was help, would help them out. And I have a quite a large network in Chicago and I'd introduce them to folks and they'd get job offers and sometimes multiple job offers. And then they'd accept one and I'd be thrilled. And then I'd say, well, did you call the other people back? And they'd say, well, no, no. I mean, I didn't accept your job offer. And I said, well, <laughs> you, you don't get it. You've got to call them back and say, thank you. I mean, I extended my personal network out to you, and you have to treat these people with respect and all these other little things. And, you know, I could have blamed it on the millennial generation, but I looked at these kids and I said, these are my nieces and nephews. I know how they were raised. They were raised in good family. They were raised well, um, you know, with all the great you know, behaviors you'd want in a young kid, but they just didn't learn some of these things. And then I thought about it and I said, you know what, where did I learn a lot of this stuff? I learned some of it from my parents, but a lot of it I learned from these folks at Allen Bradley and I learned through the training programs they put me through and the fact that there was all these middle managers at the time that had the time to support me. And not only that, 
we were hired into companies where, you know, before when I was first hired, we didn't, you know, bring in the new people and lay off all the older people. We kept everyone together and people would say, well, kid, if we're going to work another 15 years together, let me show you how this works. Well, that all changed once we started flattening organizations. That all changed once we started deteriorating the amount of training we did for new employees um, and really started focusing on like Microsoft Excel and training instead of, you know, um, manners or business etiquette or things like that. And then on top of it, we started bringing in young professionals and then, um, you know, uh, retiring older professionals. So the incentive to help the younger generation completely evaporated. And so, you know, you go 20 years later with this trend continuing and we were getting kids who just were somewhat rudderless. They were directionless. And, you know, you can blame it on the generations, but the reality is, is people had complaints about my generation. And I'm sure if you go back in time and you read about Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, they were complaining about the younger generation then. So it's foolish for us to think that this is something new. And so what I realized was, is there's a gap. We created this gap through our actions. And we either take responsibility for it or stop complaining about it. And so at that point in time, I created a a training company. It's a small little training company called Class Act. And it's leadership and professionalism training for um, young professionals. And because what was happening is is, is my nieces and nephews had success finding internships. Um, Coworkers um, with their kids were asking me to help them out. And clients and their kids were, you know, I was helping them out. And it got to be too big for me to help people out individually. So we created this organization And that's really something, you know, that I said, I could sit around and complain and talk about an issue or I could do something about it. And because guys like Bob Rindo in the past helped me become a man of action, I said, well, I can't sit around and just complain. That just is not my MO. I need to do something about it. And that's, I think, you know, how you learn these lessons is by having people teach you the power of action. Well, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, you very clearly through your journey that you've shared with us today uh, really shared how that action of leadership really helped guide your life and all of the things that you did subsequent to that. That's a beautiful yeah, I've thing. Been ver- I've been very fortunate to have a number of people put their arms around me. And, and there's another guy um, who helped me when I was first becoming an entrepreneur, uh, one of the benefactors over at Marquette University where I was getting my MBA and and uh, just a, a great supporter of the community, a guy by the name of Chaz Mulcahy. And, and Chaz did a lot to get me started in business and he did more than anyone ever probably should. I, I, I'm so indebted to him. And one night, um, you know, he's one of these very distinguished gray-haired men and, and uh, you know, just uh, a pillar of the community, well-recognized when he was walking about town, and he invited me to go to dinner. And after dinner, we went to a Marquette basketball game and had wonderful seats. And, and I, I told Chaz, I said, Chaz, how can I ever repay you? And, you know, Chaz is a very powerful lawyer in Milwaukee, and, and he said with great eloquence, uh, he, he said, uh, Jim, look at me. You can't do anything to repay me. <laughs> you know and he was one of these guys who had everything he wanted in life he had a wonderful family everything else he goes you don't get it you don't get it young man he goes um you can never repay me he says someday in the future what you need to do is make sure that when you're around a young man like yourself that you help them and you help them learn the lessons that i've helped you with 
And I thought about it at the time. And I mean, you know, he made me feel about like an inch tall at the moment because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm such an idiot. Yeah, I, how did I not know that? But he went out of his way to say it. He taught me a very important lesson. And from that moment forward, really pushed, put me in an environment where it's like, I got to pay attention to what I'm doing because someday I'm going to have to be Chaz. Someday I'm going to have to be this person who's throwing wisdom in front of people to help them on their per journey and their path because it was an obligation at that moment in time. And so while it might have been within me, uh, Chaz, with his wisdom and recognizing that I needed that dressing down at that very moment, was the catalyst to create that desire in me to pay attention to what I was doing so that someday down the road I could be, you know, hopefully wise and pass on that knowledge that he had imparted into me. That's awesome. What a great story. And thank you so much for sharing that. I think we've all really enjoyed that and learned a lot today. And Jim, I know people are, are going to want to know how to connect with you. So why don't you share with them the best way for them to find out more about the great work you do? Oh, thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate that. I mean, one of the first places you can check out is the leadershippodcast.com. Uh, that's the podcast we do on leadership, much like this. And that's got a lot of contact information over, uh, you know, that, that just is how I geek out about the things I care about. So <laughs> that's one spot. Um, the, the training company I mentioned is uh, Class Act, um, and that's uh, Class Act, www.classact.guru, G U R U. Uh, that's a great place to go check out that stuff. And then uh, my advisory services company, where um, you know, I, I try and help veterans uh, at no charge, but my paying clients, uh, you know, support that is my advisory services company, Rafti Advisors, um, R-A-F-T-I um, advisors.com. And if you go there, you can learn a little bit more about what I do to help businesses and companies grow and prosper. Awesome. And thanks for sharing that. And for those of you that are exercising, we'll include links to make it easy for you to connect with Jim. Now, Jim, as we close today, uh, you know, we've been talking about action. So what would you uh, offer to our listeners as two actions that they could take today that would help improve their lives and their leadership careers? Well, I tell you what, if someone's looking to take some action, one of the best ways is to keep learning, commit yourself to learning. So if you haven't subscribed as a subscriber to Steve's podcast, please do, because you're going to learn from people like me and the rest of Steve's guests. I'd encourage you to sign up for the leadership podcast and subscribe there and really commit yourself to some level of consistent learning um, that gets you going in the right direction. And from there, when you hear something, um, take action on it. And, and a simple thing to do, if someone pops into your head that you think about, don't say, oh, I need to call them, or I should reach out to them, or I should talk to them. Immediately in your car, call them. Um, or if you're in front of your computer, send them an email. Don't delay. And I will tell you that that piece of advice will help you lead a so much more productive and fulfilled life. So as soon as someone enters your head, take action and contact them. Don't think about it. Those are great tips. Uh, really, Jim, I appreciate you sharing those. Uh, our guest today has been Jim Vassilopoulos. He's the co-host of the leadershippodcast.com. Uh, he's also, uh, as you can tell, 
a guy that has a great heart for people and wants to see all of us succeed. So Jim, thank you again for being on the show today and we wish you continued success in all your endeavors. And to you too, Steve, thank you. Steve here and one last reminder, I wanna thank you for listening to the show and wanna encourage you, go over to mojouniversity.com before you forget it, make sure you sign up for our training site. And let me be your teacher this year. I promise you, you're going to be successful. You're going to love it. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up today.